morning, church. Good morning, church online. It's good to see everyone. It's good to be seen. And I'm thankful for God's grace in our lives today. Are you? Thank you for the worship team for leading us in some beautiful music. I'm excited that we're getting back to some kind of normality here. Amen? Some of you who uh, know Nancy well know that uh, uh, her life has, has, always, has not always been easy being married to me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's not always been easy. And, she, and uh, there was a time in her life when she decided to bravely confront some of those uh, things in her life that she, she wanted to find healing with. So she took some courageous steps towards personal healing uh, during that time. And, and God spoke to her in amazing ways during that time. And, and she had a dream. She had a dream that God appeared to her wearing a cowboy hat. And, 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 and God the cowboy went up to her and said, Nancy, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And, and this really impacted her. And she came home and, and told me about the dream and, and told me about, uh, actually, it wasn't just that, that, he had, that God had said this. He had given her this golden bracelet to wear that said these words. And she was like, it was an amazing dream with this golden bracelet. And I was just like, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that's cool. That's nice, you know, whatever, you know. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. Maybe I'll do something special. And so I went to a... Um, local place and asked what it would cost to get this engraved on a bracelet, a golden bracelet. And so sometimes some of you who know her well may even see her wear it sometimes. And so uh, she, uh, so they said, you know, this is what it costs. It's expensive. It's more expensive than any other Mother's Day gift I've ever given her. But I thought this would be special. Why not? Let's do this, right? So I decided to go get it. Now, meanwhile, my daughter, 19 years old at the time, had this brilliant idea. See, my wife loves, uh, or she used to, she doesn't do it that much these days, but she used to love going abandoned house hunting. You know what I'm talking about? She just finds an abandoned house and then she just looks through it. And there was this one specific house uh, in this one place that she couldn't figure out how to get to because it was kind of a weird place where this house was. She knew about it. She saw it, but she said she even drove by it one time, but from the highway, she goes, but how do you get there? And she didn't know. So Brianna had this brilliant idea that we would go to the house. I didn't know anything about this house. I never go abandoned house hunting with her because I care about my life. So <laughs> I, I remember, I remember Brianna saying, just excited, dad, how about if we hide the bracelet in the abandoned house, and then we take her there. And I said, well, we don't even know where the house is. And she says, no, 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 listen, my friends, Ryan and Antonio Giuseppe Pasquale Marcellino, nice Jewish guy, said, we figured out how to get there. You would love this. You know, it's, it's not that difficult. It's really easy. It's not that far. 
So I'm like, all right. So we went uh, on a uh, Friday evening driving 45 minutes to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I didn't know that this is where it was. I'm driving, and I'm thinking, this is kind of far. They're like, no, no, it's not that far. It's not that far. So we finally get to this parking lot. When we get to the parking lot, they said, okay, we have to go this way. So I'm like, okay. So we get out, and now we start walking in these woods, and it's starting to get dark. And I'm thinking, you know, Brianna, are you sure you want to do this? She goes, oh, yeah, this will be fun. Don't worry about it. And, 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 and Ryan and, and, we'll call him Anthony for now. <laughs> Ryan and Anthony were like, hey, don't worry, this is easy. We, we, we know how to do this. And then we get to this train tracks. And, he's, and, and, and they say, we have to go on the train tracks. You know, just we like follow the train tracks. Yeah, just follow the train tracks. It'll take us. Okay, so we start following these train tracks. Now we're 15 minutes in and we get to a trestle, a train trestle. There is a ravine on the bottom, like really pretty far down, about, I would say about 100 feet down. And, he's, and they're like, okay, we got to cross the trestle. And go, well, time out. What's going on here? Like, why we got to, no, 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 let's find some other place. No, no, come on, Dad, we're here. I'm like, oh, come on, we cannot do this. And they talked me into it, because I'm a, I'm a pastor, these are young people, I can't be a wimp, you know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, all right, fine. So now we're going across these train trestles, and I'm hearing all kinds of sounds, and keep thinking, oh, no, here comes a train, you know, the whole thing, and I'm worried, and, and I'm going across these, and, and by the way, this is what, the, the, these train tracks, you could see between them, you know what I'm talking about? And, you know, Brianna's behind me, she's got flip-flops on, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, so now, I'm, now she's holding my hand, I'm holding her hand, she's going through it, I'm going through it, we are, we are, I'm like, this is nuts, we get to the other side, we go across this, this field, and we get to the house, and then it dawned on me, it's dark, and I got to go back <laughs> to the car. So we hide this bracelet inside this little cupboard part, and then we start making our way back carefully. And when we get back, I realized we just reached the point of no return. Here's a moment where we have hid this bracelet and now we have to go back. This is an expensive bracelet. And it's in this abandoned house just for somebody to find. And like, there's, I, I'm cheap enough to say we got to go no matter what now, right? All of us have experienced moments in our lives when we know we had crossed a point of no return. These defining moments, these pivotal moments we, that we have all experienced that, that change the trajectory of our lives. Isn't that true? And sometimes we're afraid to go forward. We're afraid to move forward. We're afraid to actually make that happen. Defining moments that have, that have just absolutely, we needed to do to achieve something great in our lives. Like God maybe was even setting up for us, we didn't even know, so that we could do something great. And today, as we continue the story of Exodus, 
we continue the story of the people led by Moses to leave Egypt. Over two million of these people are on the move at this point. And they're feeling the exhilaration of freedom. They're excited because after so many years of, of being slaves, now find themselves in total freedom, but they also find themselves in a predicament. They find themselves in a point of no return. Moses and the Israelites find themselves in, the, in, 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 a, in a now what moment. Have you ever been in a now what moment where you just don't know exactly what, what you're going to be doing, what's the best approach, what you, what, what's going to happen now? You know this is, I, if I go forward, I, I don't know what's there, and if I go backwards, it's too far. And it's too, this is a crazy now what moment in our lives. So a little, little review from last week. Moses comes on the scene, if you remember. He and Aaron say, let my people go. Remember that? And Pharaoh says no, and so come the plagues. And, of course, the last plague was the angel of death. And there's terror, and there's wailing, and then there's deliverance. And Pharaoh and the Egyptian leaders afterwards begin to have this board meeting. And we find this in Exodus chapter 14, 5 through 8, and it'll come up on the screen here. Uh, Exodus 14, 5 through 8, and it says this, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, and, and Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. We referred to this last week, remember this? Changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? Like, what, what were we thinking? Why would we do this? Well, okay. Uh, the plagues, remember the plagues? And then they say, we have let the Israelites go and lost their services. See, that's what it was all about. So he and his chariots made ready. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Remember we talked about what that means last week. The Lord hardened the, the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. And the Egyptians and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pihahiroth, opposite of Baal Zephon. And if you're Jewish, sorry if I destroyed the translation of that. Why is it so difficult for some people, for some of us, to let go? Why is it so hard for us to readjust, recalibrate, and say, okay, we're going to have to do this differently now? Why is it, why, 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 there are some of us that God has used tender love to woo us back. And some of us, sometimes God has used tough love to bring us back. Sometimes he's had to use, he's had to use re, refiner's fire 
to do some, some cleaning and some, and some molding for us. And still, some of us cannot let go of the grip of whatever it is that, that God wants us to let go of. And here's what I want to share with you today that's really important, and I want you to think about this. This will be the defining sentence for the whole sermon today. And it goes like this. What you need to leave behind, it's more like a question actually, what do you need to leave behind in order to move forward? I want you to think about that today. What do you need to leave behind in order to move forward? I want to share with you some valuable lessons from the story of Exodus. In the book, uh, in, the, in, in the letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, verse 4, he says, For everything that was written, the Old Testament, was written in the past, was written to teach us. Everything was written to teach us. So that through the endurance thought in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Did you catch that? So when we read the stories of Moses, the stories of the Exodus, the stories in the Old Testament, they were written for us specifically so that we can learn from them. Does that make sense? That's what the Apostle Paul says. So here's lesson one. What can we learn from that story? Lesson one. God will do whatever it takes so that we don't change our mind. Did you catch that? God will do whatever it takes so that we don't change our mind. Let me share with you what I mean. Exodus chapter 13, 17 through 18. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Don't miss this. For God said if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God let the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Did you, catch, did you catch what's going on here? God purposely did not lead the Israelites through the shorter route. He actually led them around the roundabout way through the Red Sea. Why? Because he was afraid that they might change their mind if they saw war. Did you catch that? Is it possible that sometimes in our lives we want God to give us the shortest route, the shortest, the shortcut, and, and, and maybe God is saying, no, 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 if you take that route, you're going to get discouraged. There's going to be things happening. There are dragons here. Sometimes redirection is God's way of keeping us encouraged. It may not seem that way, but... Sometimes the desert way may, may be the best route to the promised land. It may not seem that way at the moment, but it is. So here's lesson number two. Whatever we fear establishes the boundaries of our freedom. Let me repeat that. For those of you who are writing this down, whatever we fear establishes the boundaries of our freedom. 
See, now comes the moment of truth. I mean, how do we respond with a faith-trying moment? What do God's people need to leave behind in order to move ahead, right? What do we need to leave behind in order to move ahead? That's the question. What do they need to leave behind? What fears? What do they need to do in order to move ahead? In Exodus chapter 14, 10 through 12, there are actually five telltale signs that we have lost trust in God or his ability to save us. Five telltale signs that says to us, maybe we're not letting go of the grip. Maybe we need to trust God so we can let go. So here's the first one. Ready? Listen carefully. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. Number one. They're out there camping. Pharaoh and his armies approach. And instead of looking to God, what are they looking to? The army. Eyes of God and his purpose is a telltale sign that we're not trusting him. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Number two, fear and panic. Telltale signs that we're not trusting God. And then it says, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Resentful sarcasm. Telltale sign that you're not trusting God. And then it says, what have you done to us? I'm sorry. I just think this is really funny. What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Telltale sign. Blame. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? I mean, we'd rather be slaves. That's what they're saying. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. <coughs> Telltale sign. Regret. Eyes off of God and his purpose. Fear and panic. Resentful sarcasm. Blame and regret. Have you ever experienced these? You know, I have, uh, often not all together, by the way. <laughs> the Israelites right now have taken this to a whole new level. They got it all there in one shot. Can you imagine being Moses, asked by God to lead these people out of the land of Egypt into the promised land, and they're sitting there going, you should have just left us there. I have pastored churches like this. Not you guys, no, but, but I, I, I've, I've been there. Churches that said, we'd rather be in Egypt than, than, than actually move forward and do something. We'd rather just sit in our pews and, and in our sins, in our comfort, in our lives, and not do anything, not move forward. Have you met people like this? How are we doing? One of my all-time favorite scriptures is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to actually read it to you from the message. And it says this, No test or temptation 
that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember, all you need to remember, all you need to remember is that God will never let you down. Can I get an amen on that one? All we need to remember is that God will never let us down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. How many times have you said, that? God, I can't take this anymore. Wait a minute. God has more faith in us than, than we have in ourselves? Because that's what this is saying, unless we're going to call God a liar. Because it says here that God will never let us be pushed past our limits. He's, he'll always be there to help you come through it. Every predicament, every Red Sea moment, God is saying to us, I believe in you. Wow. Do you trust me? I cannot tell you how many times God has said that to me. Serge, relax. Stop complaining. I believe in you. Do you trust me? Lesson number three. Stand ground. Stand your ground. Stand firm. Stay the course and watch God do some stuff, man. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. After the people complained, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord he, that he will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Isn't that cool? And then he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to do what? Can I be honest with you? That is the most difficult thing for me. I want to do something, right? I mean, there's going to be a time when we should be doing something. Don't misunderstand me. In fact, you're going to hear about that in a moment. But more often than not, God is telling us, be still and know that I am God. Watch me do some amazing stuff. You, 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 you're not trusting me. I believe in you. Do you believe in me? Sometimes we say, don't just stand there, do something. Moses is actually saying, don't just do something, stand there. Until God commands you otherwise. And then finally, lesson number four. We're almost done. When God says move, that is when we obey and move forward in faith. Amen? Amen. Lesson one, God will do whatever it takes so that we don't change our mind. Number two, whatever we fear establishes the boundaries of our freedom. Number three, stand your ground, stand firm, stay the course, watch God do his thing. And then number four, when God says move, obey, and move forward in faith. Exodus 14, 15 through 16. Then the Lord said to him, by the way, I'm amazed at God's patience with these people and with Moses. I've heard God say this to me before. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Have you ever been caught between the army and the sea? The point of no return. 
He says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. It's the first time they've ever heard this before. They've been slaves for 400 years. What, are you kidding me? Really? And sometimes, sometimes God says, and all of a sudden the water parts and we get to go through. But can I be honest with you? More often than not, God is waiting for us to step in the water. And we get our feet wet. And then move forward and we get our stomachs and chest wet. And then we move forward. Sometimes God doesn't part the water until the water gets up to here. And then God does amazing things after that. It is then that God says, okay, watch this. The Christian life is not a static or passive, passive life. It is a dynamic, active life. Do you believe that? This principle does not change when obstacles are placed in our paths. This principle does not change because the road gets a little dump, bumpy or it looks a little deserty to us. This principle does not change because there is a sea in front of us and no boats. This principle does not change because the enemy is on the attack and looks bigger than we could ever imagine. This principle does not change because the challenges ahead seem insurmountable. The principles are always the same. The Christian life is not a static or a passive life. It is a life where God says, wait for me, and then when I say go, you go. So what Egypt are you leaving behind? Ask yourself this question. I, I don't know you well enough to know what Red Sea is ahead of you. I, I don't know this, but if you're not asking yourself these questions, you're just sitting here Now, it, we need to get to the point where we eliminate the options of retreat. Amen? Those of you who are history buffs may know the story of Cortez and the burning of his ships. In the year 1519, Cortez arrived in the New World with 600 men. And upon arrival... He made history by destroying his ships, putting them all on fire. And this sent a clear message to his men. There is no turning back. We either conquer or we die. On a much lesser scale, my brother and I used to go fishing for trout. And we would, bring, we would be like an overnighter. We would bring no food. And we no catch, no eat, right? That was it. No turning back. If we leave the ships in the harbor, the indication is that we're not fully committed. Here's what I know, and here's what I believe. A life well lived, a life with no regret, a life that is not about my talents or my intellect or my capacity, but it is a life that is my willingness to save nothing for the way back. Once I'm committed, I go. 
I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. You remember that song? Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Two years later, he succeeded in his conquest of the Aztec Empire. For some of us, the promised land, the land that God has designed for us, is just on the other side of our fears. I want to repeat that in case you were daydreaming there for a second. For some of us, the promised land, the life that God has designed for you, is just on the other side of your fears. And God is waiting for us to trust him as much as he believes in us. So we returned that Sunday. We, we had to talk Nancy into it. By the way, she didn't know anything about it. We just said, look, we found a way to get to the house. Why don't we go? It's, and she's like, well, it's Mother's Day. Let's not go. I'm like, no, no, because it's Mother's Day. This is our gift. We want to take you to the abandoned house, you know? We actually had to talk her into this. So we make our way, and as we're driving, she goes, this is far. I'm like, I know, but don't worry about it. We finally get to the parking lot, and I could just tell her she's kind of hesitant. She's like, I don't know, really? Is the, the house is not that worth it. Of course, Ryan and Anthony go, no, no, we'll have fun. Let's go, you know? So we start making our way into the woods, to the railroad track, now we're walking on the rail track, and Nancy's really hesitant. She's like, this is crazy. Suddenly, Ryan goes, wait, hold on. I hear something. And all of a sudden, he goes, duck, duck, get to the side. And so we all thinking it's a train coming, right? Because I hear it too. So we all just jump into the bushes, you know, like, oh, no. And it was an, actually an airplane flying over us. <laughs> but I am thinking, this is crazy. But we got to move forward. Because we have already reached the point of no return. And now we're crossing the trestle. And Nancy is looking at me like, what are we doing? I know, honey, don't worry. This is Brianna's idea, you know, just go ahead and humor her. Ryan, you know, these guys, they're, you know, they're like sons to us. Let's just, come on, let's just, I know this is scary. This is scary for me too, you know. I'm the whole time I'm thinking this is nuts. We finally get to the house. And now she's like in her zone. <laughs> so she's like going everywhere, looking everywhere. And we make him believe that we're doing our own little treasure hunt and looking too. And, and all of a sudden, she's like, well, nothing here. I'm like, what do you mean there's nothing here? Really? You sure? She goes, yeah, we can't find this. This place is abandoned. It's dead. It's creaky floors, things are broken upstairs, let's just leave. And I'm like, have you looked everywhere? Like, and I, I don't know if it was me or somebody, I can't remember, but somebody said, have you looked in all the cupboards? And she goes, yeah, I've looked in this cupboard. And, and she goes, I looked in this cupboard, and I've looked in this cupboard. Oh, wow, check that out, she says. There's a little block, black box. And then she reaches in. She takes out the little black box. She, it's velvet. And we're all just going, <laughs> you know. 
And, and you can just tell she's like, she's in the zone right now. And she opens it up. And she sees the bracelet. The look on her face. This was the most romantic thing I ever done. <laughs> and I actually had to get my daughter to talk me into it, right? And she's like, <gasps> it was almost as if for a second, she didn't realize what was happening. And then she realized, oh, you guys, you know, you did this, you did this. We're like, yeah, you know, it was the most amazing. And, and the look on Brianna's face, the joy of having done something like this. We still talk about it till this day. It was one of our favorite moments as a family to do that. As the worship team makes its way back up here, I want to challenge us to go beyond the boundaries of our fears. I want to challenge us to allow God to do his thing and then trust him because he believes in us. I want to challenge you to sing this next song knowing that you are a child of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.